You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, hello. I want to welcome everybody to today's podcast and also say Happy New Year. I hope that you celebrated well, responsibly, all those good things. Boy, I mean, I was, uh, it was almost midnight and that is way, way past my bedtime. I know I'm getting old, but uh, I don't, we don't stay up. We were in bed. Um, but all of the gunshots, man, Arvin was just a war zone. Pretty crazy stuff, but that's okay. Um, so I hope you had a great new year and I hope you're starting off on the right foot through this uh, journey of discipleship. How exciting it is that we're starting out in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. What my goal is, is to kind of come alongside of you. I do need to apologize because I am totally redoing my studio. So I've got this little side room here at the house and just redoing it right now. My acoustics are not the way that I want them to sound. I've got a lot of echo and all kinds of stuff, but that's okay. I might be able to fix it with some software processing. That's beside the point, but I'm just, uh, nevertheless, I said I've got to come in and make a podcast. And uh, I, so I want to help you. I hope this will be a blessing to you. So I'm going to cover just Matthew 1.1 because it could take us a little while, but I'm going to encourage you to go through your whole study guide. Um, also, if you have these um, journals, right, the the Matthew uh, Bible set with journals, what a great opportunity for you to develop this discipline, this habit of highlighting, studying, uh, marking, writing notes, writing questions, evaluating. Um, we want to take time every day to connect with God, and we do that through His Word and through prayer. So let's let's start, okay? Let's let's set the posture of our hearts through prayer. Would you join me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for this time that we have. What a privilege it is to be able to open up your word. Lord, I sometimes just get overwhelmed because I think of throughout the scope of history how access to your word has been difficult and how privileged we truly are as your people living at this time to just open and read what you have written to us. Lord, you have given us the tools, the resources. I thank you for it. I pray that you would be the one that would lead us and guide us. And Lord, you are great at doing this individually for every single person. So I pray that you would speak to them that you would open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. I want to read this. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, yesterday we talked a little bit in our introduction to Matthew about who the audience was to. Who was it written to? It was written to the Jews. So imagine what this would do to <laughs> the psyche or the soul of a, of a Jewish person. This would be familiar territory to read a genealogy. 
I mean, that's what the Torah has. I mean, that, hello, have you read the book of Numbers, right? So this wouldn't be something strange, but it points to Matthew's intention. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But there are three things that I want to draw your attention to just in Matthew 1.1. So if you mark or if you highlight, please do this. Um, the term Christ, circle or highlight that. The term the son of David, that's the second one. And then the term the son of Abraham. All three of these are what I affectionately call a loaded baked potato, right? I mean, they've... You, have you ever had a loaded baked potato before? I mean, that's when you put all the toppings on it, man. You've got the sour cream and the cheese and the onions. And I don't know, man, if you're, I guess if you're a Mexican, you'd put some bidia in there. And oh, don't even get me started. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> now I want a loaded baked potato. Thanks a lot. Hey, <laughs> whatever. Well, this is Al Pastor. I mean, can you imagine having a loaded taco baked potato. I don't know if that would work or not. But anyway, okay, all three of these terms, the, the Christ, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. Let's tackle each of these, and then we'll get into the study guide. First and foremost, um, Christ is not Jesus's last name. I know that sounds funny, and that's just kind of a running joke, but you'd be surprised how many people actually think that um, Christ is his name, like Jesus Christ, right? People use that out of, like, out of context, or they'll use his name in vain. They'll say it like that. And uh, Christ is a title, folks. It is a title. The word Christ means Messiah. It means the anointed one, and it means king. All three of these, okay? Messiah, the anointed one, and king. So to call Jesus Christ, okay, is a huge, huge deal. This title carried so much weight to the people that read it. It was just like jaw-dropping, like Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, King, Jesus, the anointed one. Where does this go back to? Well, if you, if you remember, and if you don't, that's okay, or if you've never been in there, Israel's first king was a king by the name of King Saul. And Samuel did something interesting by instruction of the Lord, and that was to take a horn, like a literal animal horn, fill it with oil. Now, this wasn't just any oil. It had to be special oil that was uh, made and mixed and, and, and fabricated or constructed, however, whatever word you would use, I guess, for oil, um, by the Levites. And he took that, and when he went to go coronate or crown him king, he anoints him first. Now, this isn't just like, oh, let's rub a little bit on our finger and, and, and smear it. No, this was a pouring, pouring the oil over his head. And so at that moment, he was Christ. We would say like christened, like a christening, right? You would be uh, anointed. He, was, he was, became the king, the anointed one. And so there was a hope, an expectation all down throughout the line and throughout the years that there would be an ultimate Messiah. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, son of David and son of Abraham. Let's get it a little bit into our study guide. Uh, by way of introduction, 
Um, the genealogy of, of Jesus is not barren ground. Now, I know that we have a temptation to just kind of, you know, plow through these and be like, oh, okay, what is this? No, this has some rich fruit if we are, are seeking out what God would have to say for us today. And that's what I'm believing for, for you, that God will speak to you in his own unique way and style to your life. Um, so part of what the genealogy shows us is that Jesus is the legal heir to the throne of David. Now, this genealogy is not given to satisfy man's curiosity about Jesus's roots or to give us a reason to boast in his ancestors. Um, that's very, very important. Why would that be important? Because in Jewish culture, there would be a boasting in whoever your ancestors, like I'm a son of son of son, or I'm the son of this or the son of that. Um, this isn't the purpose of what Matthew's doing. Matthew's not giving a flex in that sense. What he's trying to do is show that Jesus is the fulfillment of, of the messianic hope as proclaimed by God, faithfully transmitted throughout the, the, the millennium in his word. That's the reason. And so um, this is the intention. This is the purpose. Uh, the Messiah was to be born of the son of Abraham and the son of David. That means that he would be a descendant of both of these individuals, these great figureheads throughout the Old Testament. So let's talk a little bit about that, about, about being the son of Abraham. First and foremost, God gave to Abraham and his seed, which, is, which would be the Messiah, the promise of blessings for the whole world. Now, this is found in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, the very famous passage of Scripture. I encourage you in your study, go through and read it, right? This is where God says, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. But in you, okay, in like in your seed, God said he would bless the entire world. Awesome. That is incredible. Now, later, what we'll see, and there's some uh, underneath our thoughts there are some scriptures that are found in Romans, especially in Romans chapter 4. One of the points of Romans chapter 4 is that Paul is making an argument that before um, Abraham was a Hebrew, before he came became one. You're like, wait, what does that mean? Abraham was a Hebrew before he came one. And so he makes this argument about Abraham being uh, credited, <coughs> excuse me, or counted unto righteousness by faith while he was uncircumcised. It's a beautiful picture in, in Romans chapter 4. But the point is this, that God gave Abraham a promise, and that promise came to pass through the person of Jesus Christ. And it would be by and through Jesus that the entirety of the world would be blessed, not only to the Jew, but to the Greek as well. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 16, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ um, it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, to the whole wide world. So that's very important. So God gave this to Abraham, the son of Abraham. That's where Jesus is from. And then to David. God gave David. David is known as what? A man after God's own heart. 
the promise that he gave to David was that there would be an eternal government, that his kingdom would be everlasting. So please mark this down. If, you, if you're following along, mark this down. 2 Samuel 7, 12, star it or highlight. I know there's so many references. It's not like, I'm not saying you got to look up everyone, but I am telling you, you, need, you should look up Genesis 12, 1 through 3, definitely, and 2 Samuel 7, 12. In fact, I would read from 12, like all the way down to 16. That's the promise where he says you will have an everlasting kingdom. Now, Jesus is sitting on the throne right now. He is at the right hand of God, and he is ruling and reigning. However, when he comes back, because he has promised to return, when he comes back, he is going to fulfill every other aspect. And this is one of the big reasons that a lot of folks missed out on his first coming. So in our study notes, we're about halfway through. It says, note how often Jesus was called the son of David. So we see this scattered all throughout Matthew, right? Starting Matthew 12, obviously here in in chapter 1, but in Matthew 12, 15, 20, 21, uh, Acts, he's called the son of David in Romans, in 2 Timothy and Revelation. In other words, the son uh, to say that he is the son of David this was a common title and popular concept of the messiah so generation after generation of jews they would look for and they would long for the promised deliverer of israel and so the people expected him to be this great general who would deliver and restore the nation to its greatness. In fact, they expected uh, him to conquer the whole world and that Jerusalem would be the, the, the center of glory and, and majesty right, right there from the temple in Jerusalem. Now, from his throne, the throne of David, at that point also they believed that the Messiah would execute what they would what they coined messianic fire of judgment. And he would do so by judging the nations and all the peoples of the world. Now, is Jesus going to do that? The answer to that is yes. Did he do it then? The answer to that is no. He he is going to do it when he comes back. He will come back in fire and in judgment He will separate the sheep from the goats. He will rule and reign. We call this the millennial reign. That comes from Revelation chapter 19 and 20. Um, Even in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, he promises that we would even rule and reign with him. And so part of Matthew's intention here is, is if he can prove, okay, which he does overwhelmingly and and. I would add with so many exclamation points. But if he can prove that Jesus' roots can go all the way back to David and to Abraham, he would show just from this first verse how serious a person must take the claims of Jesus to be the Messiah. Now, by the way, Matthew 
Um, Matthew is just documenting this. Jesus himself claimed to be the Messiah. So what's the point? What's the what's the takeaway from us? There are a couple that are here that are listed. The first one, first one's very simple, is that we, we, you and I, those of us that have put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus, we will share as well in the blessings of Abraham and praise the Lord for that. In other words, it's not by ethnicity. It is not by race or gender or any of those things. It is for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And so we are promised that we will, when he comes back, rule and reign with him. And when Jesus comes back, he will set up his throne, his kingdom, and guess what it'll be? It will be the promise of David. And it will be for who? As the son of Abraham, for all nations. There will be every nation and tribe and tongue. That is one of the beautiful pictures as depicted in Revelation. That is the son of Abraham. That is that term. So that is a beautiful thought that you and I get to share in with that. So thank you, Jesus, for that. The next one is just as they needed to take this seriously, right? The implications of this, because if this is true which, by the way, it is. We know that, right? But if this is true, one must seriously consider the implications. And because of that, because of not only the, the testimony of Matthew, we also have the testimonies of generation after generation, of thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions that have followed and put their faith and trust in him and that have been transformed um, by these truths, it, we must understand that the world is making a very fatal mistake in their rejection of who he says. So there's some scriptures that are there. Matthew 27, 11 speaks of judgment. John 18, 36 and 37. So that's a little bit just on verse number one. I mean, I'm looking at my timestamps here. I'm already at 18 minutes. Um, you know, maybe I could. <laughs> can I? Sure, I can. I just don't know if you can bear it. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just I don't want to overwhelm. That's my thing. So we've got 16 other verses that we could go over. I just want to encourage you, if you have time, right? If you have time, and if you can afford to make some time, Go through this. There's some great stuff. Um, just in verse number two, I love the phrase. I'm going. I'm going to go super quick now. Okay, uh, I love the phrase and his brothers. So it talks in verse two about Judah and his brothers. So go through and read. See why is that significant? What's the big deal about that? And then of course we have from verses three through six, we have the mention of women. Is that a big deal? Yes, absolutely. And there's an entire message we could. You know, if you're interested, you could go through. I mean, make sure you highlight or mark something different. I used a different color for the women, um, but we've got Tamar, we've got Rahab, we've got Ruth, and then we've got her who had been the wife of Uriah. Who's that? That's Bathsheba. Four women. Now, now there's actually five because down in verse 16, you have Mary that's listed. So you can, you could, I mean, just think about this. 
You could go just the story of Tamar by itself. Whoa, what a crazy story. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, that's back in Genesis 38. What a crazy story. How about Rahab? That's in Joshua chapter 2. Crazy, right? What about Ruth? That's, there's a whole book named Ruth. Uh, it's only four chapters, but it's a great, great um, story. And who is she? She's the grandma of King David. What an incredible story. Oh, don't get me started. And then, of course, we've got Bathsheba, which God was, you know, uh, God was able to forgive. So if you go through like in 2 Samuel um, chapters 11 and 12, you would be like, well, what do you mean? Did Bathsheba actually go and repent? Yes, of course, because David was there with her. So as a representation of her repentance, which is documented in 2 Samuel, um, Bathsheba was definitely included in that. But we just see God's mercy that's in there. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of having your sins forgiven, of being accepted and counted as God's own, not only just because they're women, but some of these weren't even um, ethnically Jewish, ethnically Hebrew. I mean, look, we don't know exactly about Tamar. Most likely she, um, well, actually, I take that back. Was Tamar? Actually, I, I, she might not have been. She might have been a Canaanite. I'd have to go and check. Maybe I don't know. But Rahab, what about her? No, she was from Jericho. What about Ruth? No, she wasn't. And what about Bathsheba? Well, if she was the wife of Uriah, and Uriah was what? He was a Hittite. So do you think a Hittite married another Hittite or someone else? So very well, all four of these could have been uh, foreign pagans. That's bad enough, but then you include women. My, my, my. So if you got any thoughts, if you got any questions, or if you want to talk more about that, hey, leave me a comment in the podcast or leave a voice memo. And by the way, that's why we have Bible study, right? And then we've got verses 7 through 10. What a beautiful picture as well of um, just the message that God's grace is not inherent, inherited, right? Um, God gives his grace as he wills. Um, in other words, we would say we would say that God doesn't have grandchildren. That's probably a really good summation of those verses from 7 to 10. God does not have grandchildren. Each and every single person, and for that matter, each and every single generation, ultimately will be responsible for their own position when it comes to God. And so not inherent, inherited, but definitely um, could be stewarded. So great message that's there. And then, of course, uh, chapter 1, verses 11 through 16, what are we looking at? We're looking at a powerful message about the Babylonian captivity, about God's preserving power his um, preservation of even in the midst of chaos, because essentially that's the whole theme of the Babylonian captivity. We would look and we would say, um, like tohu bovu, right? It was void and empty. Like God, God took order into chaos and and judged judged His own people, and they were deported into Babylon. But through it all we see the sustaining power. Beautiful, beautiful picture. 
um, that is there. And then, of course, um, the very last verse. Oh, boy. No, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. You're just like, what are you talking about? Well, the last verse, verse 17. Look at what Matthew did. He did 14, 14, and 14. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you figure that one out, right? So we've got a beautiful thing. There are three historical periods uh, with this 14, and this is definitely true, right, of of spiritual pilgrimage. Um, we have a representation, but Matthew, there, there's more. That's all I'm going to say on that, okay? There is more. Now, is Matthew's genealogy, I'm going to put a bow on this, is Matthew's genealogy precise? In other words, did he include everybody? I mean, is this really, did this happen to add up 14, 14, 14? Answer to that is no. Of course he didn't, because Matthew's not, he's, just as he's not concerned with strict chronology, he's concerned with making a theological point, and that's exactly what he is doing through this triplet this 14, 14, 14. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. So don't, when I say do your, your research, don't go on and Google it. Come on, guys. We're past that, right? If you've got some resources at your fingertips, you have Logos Bible Study, uh, Bible Software. And if you don't have that and you want access to it, hey, let me know. Um, reach out, send a text, send an email, do whatever you got to do. We'll get you. Uh, we have licenses that are available. Not all of them have been utilized by those that are in the church. So if you if you want access to Logos Bible Software and some awesome resources, we'll send them your way. So I'm going to leave you with that. And uh, anything else that you have, any kind of need or questions or concerns, just let me know. And um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for Bible study as well. I can't wait. I can't, well, what is it? it's going, well, we've got a day. We've, we've got one day for Bible study. We're going to have a great time. And um, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturf. If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later. <laughs>